Volatility is your biggest enemy in retirement. Correct. When you're trying to take cash flow and it's volatile, yep. if you take a fixed amount during a downturn, it actually cashes more of it out during that time. Yep. And you then don't have as much money to earn when the market does go up. And that's called disinvesting. Hey guys, it's Caleb Williams. Good. Hey guys, I'm here with Gary Gunderson at the Wealth Lab studio, and we're going to be uh, reacting to some bad, or maybe good, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, we're going to be reacting to some typical financial You haven't advice. read it, but I've read some of it just as a glance, and yeah. Going to be good. I can't believe they're selling this stuff for, what did I pay, thirteen ninety nine for this one, and nine ninety nine. It's It's wild. Money I burned. But we're going to react to it. I love it, dude. I can't wait to jump in. There's actually people that are being paid to write this. Yep. And the thing is, you're going to be able to predict what they're going to say. And then we're going to talk about why it's so misleading yep. and problematic. Look, you've been lied to. That's the bottom line. When we look at the information that are in magazines today, I bought these. I just went into Barnes & Noble the other day. I wanted to just peruse, see what books were there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to grab a few magazines. I start reading them. I'm embarrassed. I was like embarrassed at checkout that I was buying them because the advice is so bad. But most people don't know why the advice is bad because they're not in the financial world. They don't necessarily know how to dissect it. So I brought in this young buck, Caleb Williams from the and asset book. If you know that book, uh, because he'll make me laugh and he can dissect this at the same time. And we'll just riff on this to help you kind of discern truth from falsehood when it comes to your money. I love it, All dude. right, Caleb. Ready? I'm ready. This is, this is called the Essential Retirement Guide. They've got a golden egg on here. How to protect against inflation. By the way, their, their advice is terrible. Uh, live well on less than you think. It's great. Okay? It's great. Plus, double your nest egg. Make your dollars last longer. Lower health care costs. Budget-friendly places to reside. Get every benefit you deserve. That's what the promise is. I okay. feel like the egg is something way overused. Like, I've seen that on multiple covers. The nest egg? The nest egg approach. All right. So, by the way, it says smart strategies for unpredictable times. So, it, it, it puts yellow highlights here to say recent events will shape how individuals think about and plan for retirement. Why is that in yellow? The onslaught of the pandemic was followed by a market crash and subsequent rebound that saw markets reach new heights. Why is this highlighted? Is there anything in here that was surprising to you? So, here's, here's what it says. It says... Strategy one on smart strategies, be flexible. One of the biggest lessons of the pandemic is the future is far from predictable. This is writing. How much, how mu this is $15 to buy? $13.99. Love it. Building flexibility into retirement goals, which okay. means lower your expectations. Okay. And plans can prepare you to take on challenges they present themselves and pivot when needed. Pivot, which reminds me of uh, Friends. You ever see the Pivot episode? No. Dude, you're deprived, man. You're too young. But uh, you look up the Pivot episode right. on, on the move. All right. So it says hedge against inflation. Okay. Agree. Yep. How are they going to tell us to hedge I... against inflation? And by the way, they would start with inflation decreases the spending power of your dollar <laughs> over the long term. That may mean your savings won't last as long. Blowing my mind. I mean, this is amazing advice here. I, I think that anyway, I'm just being mean. I know. But there's nobody's name on this one. 
Uh, luckily, there are ways to protect your portfolio against rising inflation. For example, stocks tend to offer long-term returns that outpace inflation, so you may consider holding a great portion of portfolio in stocks if your risk tolerance allows it. First off, risk yeah. tolerance is a dumb idea. Yep. Okay. If you think risk equals return, right? what do you want to do? You want to get as much risk as possible. Right, because you think it equals yep. return because we've been programmed to think that, just like it says. Right. Over the long time, stocks outperform inflation or outpace right. inflation. Right, but what what does risk actually mean when you define it? Increasing your chance of loss. Right, so how does increasing our chance of losing help us out? But this is this is the programming of this entire process, which has been around in every decade since the you know since mutual funds has existed, especially since financial planning became popularized. I'm curious if they're going to address the actual root issue of quote unquote retirement, which is future cash flow. Like it, it's talking about being flexible, it's talking about inflation, but it's the whole nest egg approach is such a crappy mindset to be in. Like I'm going to have this nest egg and I'm not going to try to drop it. And it's like that that concept in general is like a terrible, terrible piece of you know framework yeah. to live by. So it just says you should look at tips, treasury inflation protected securities. That's so yep. stock market and and treasury. Let's see if it says inflation. anything about I bonds in there. Uh, it says protect your savings, right? So it just means protect yourself by having robust cash savings that you can rely on until markets recovery. So they're saying, we don't know what's going to happen in the market, so just have some cash. Right. Okay. Plan for a fulfilling retirement. This is, this is okay. Um, <laughs> average life, it says, it basically says life expectancy went up until COVID and it went slightly down. And when you're faced with a retirement of 30 years or more, you may even decide to continue working for pay as a volunteer. Pay or volunteer to keep you mentally engaged and social as you get older. Which, when you think about that, being retired for 30 years, that's a long time. Yep. It is. And I agree that we should have some purpose. And if we lose purpose, that it could lower our mental acuity and be a problem. So, you know, but plan for fulfilling retirement. This is, this is the best that they've given us. I got, I got nothing. Prioritize mental and physical health. Okay. That was the entire opening of how to retire in a post-pandemic world. Be flexible. What did you learn? Be, being flexible. because I missed this one pro tip. Set SMART goals. S-M-A-R-T. Oh, because oh, I never went to college, you know. I mean, dude, who had, like, SMART goals, that, that, that's been talked about a lot. A lot. Specific measurably, right? Yeah. The whole thing. So, all right. So, this is, this is we're going to have a little bit more fun here because it's saying adjusting during times of uncertainty. Flexibility is a key strategy. So, we haven't really heard a whole lot. But what it says here to start with is control your spending. Which is code for spend less. Cut back, right? Yep. Yeah, so it's saying if you have losses, you need to cut back your spending. Okay. Um, and if it's an economic boom, be careful not to spend too much. That's the entire two paragraphs right there. Yep. Then it says adjust your portfolio. During times of high inflation, it may be worth re revisiting your portfolio and making some adjustments. For example, you may want to hold more of your portfolio in stocks. It repeats what it just told us before. Right. And, and how damaging that could be because they're almost, they're going off the assumption that the more risk you get, like we just talked about, is going to get you a greater rate of return. What if you're like 65, 70 years old, you, you, you want to, don't want to lose your money to inflation. You put your money in equities and, and the market drops significantly. And, it, and what it's saying is not to put your money in traditional bonds because the Fed's raising interest rates. That's the next paragraph. But here's the thing. You could do a bond ladder right. where you have different maturities. Right over time so that you you know because the thing is is interest rates go up when you're holding a bond your bond value goes down because people could get a higher interest rate on a new bond than your old bond right. so you have to sell it at a loss is what they're talking about i understand but 
bond rates right now are higher than they were for the last right. 20, 30 years. And they're telling you not to do those. I'm not, I'm not necessarily and, the biggest fan of bonds, but it's interesting that they're just saying that right. the result is here we are in 2023, take more risk, put so, more money in stocks. And this is a retirement planning that's guide. Incredible. Yeah. Here's the issue. Volatility is your biggest enemy in retirement. Correct. When you're trying to take cash flow and it's volatile, yeah. if you take a fixed amount during a downturn, it actually cashes more of it out during that time. Yeah. And you then don't have as much money to earn when the market does go up. And that's called disinvesting. And, and I know that you're not a huge fan of annuities, but I believe annuities or and or life insurance is a much better bond. And I agree with what they say about being flexible and all that stuff. It's just their whole paradigm is like, hey, just spend less and take more risk. Take more risk and- Yeah, control your spending. Yeah. Spend less, adjust your portfolio, take more risk. Yeah. That's their, That's what they're telling people so far. And then the last piece on this one, it's called flexibility is the key strategy, is regularly review your investment plan. Okay. <laughs> it just says, re-examine your asset allocation. And now it's contradict. You may want to take a more conservative approach to protect your savings from market volatility. What the hell is someone supposed to do with this, Caleb? Yeah. Okay. Um, what you should do is maybe put more money in stocks because of inflation. And at the same time, you need to really be more conservative to protect your savings from market volatility. Well, what is it? This is the same page. It's p two paragraphs away from each other. Yeah. I, I have nothing to say. It's 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 shocking to me that is this printed recently this was people pay money see, for this when stuff? did it uh it says display until april 24th 2023 so i just i picked it up april 20th or 21st so so that's like let's just let's just keep going now what it's going to say is budgeting strategies to help you save so again control your spending so we haven't really got much new here right and it, it's saying 50-30-20 method is what's in the yellow highlights. I didn't put the yellow highlights in there. and refers to a popular, um, what is it, budgeting rule of thumb you can use to control your spending. A 50-30-20 budget devotes 50% of your paycheck to necessities like housing, food, transportation, healthcare. And it just said that inflation exists, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 30% goes towards discretionary spending, not essential items like streaming subscriptions, dining, dinings and not, I mean, I guess... They're saying groceries is part of the essential, dining's not. Vacations and impulse buys. That leaves 20% for savings. Largely contributions to retirement accounts. Okay, 20% going to retirement account. Yeah. And what they're saying is inflation yep. has been a disruptor to retirement and hasn't allowed people to have the quality of life they anticipated. So spend less and risk more. They actually put you in the problem and then they tell you to just keep going with the same thing that put you in the problem in the first place. Too much risk, not enough control, no conversation around cash flow, exactly. nothing around efficiency, all about cutting back and missing out on things. This is, people are paying to get this terrible advice. I, I feel like a dick, but yeah. Um, then it says the zero sum budget. Zero sum budget is a way to avoid having extra money lying around that you might be tempted to spend impulsively rather than save. It involves looking carefully at your income and expenses in the upcoming month and deciding ahead of time where you'll put every last dollar so that income minus your you know, expenses includes savings ultimately equals zero. Well, I say pay yourself first. Correct. Yep. And then whatever's left over, 
what is your framework? So instead of the 50, 30, 20, what would you say to someone who- I'm a 15% off the top. Okay. Pay yourself. Yeah, 15%. And, and you can do more than that. Right. You know, th there's an article later about the FIRE movement, yep. right? Um, what is it? Financial independence, retire yep. early. You know, they asked me to speak once. Yeah, I I would have paid Guess money, Guess who said no? I Dude, I would have said yes. I, I guess I should have, but- Get that get that recorded. At least they say that retirement early is is a you know, and and I'm not like I do agree they're like getting people out of consumerism. Yep. But they're not getting them to consider cash flow. Yep. They're getting them way too reliant on the stock market. Right. And yeah. I, I what I like about the fire movement is the minimalism movement. Just like hey, we don't need a lot of stuff. We're going, we're going to focus on the things that we care about. They're saving a ridiculous amount of money, and then they're investing in index funds, and that's where. That's where you and I would probably go to the table and say, "Well, you're like all in on index funds." And they and to their credit, they're they're all in on the 4% rule. So they like they're not like over promising. Right. They're just like once you get 4% of your portfolio a year that you can live off of, you're financially yeah. free, which good for good for that. Because anything more than 4% risks your capital. Right. There's just better ways to do it. Right. Um yeah, so so the zero sum budget is just you're putting money into savings and not having anything left over. And it says, you know, when you're budgeting, when you're near retirement, uh, may work out fine if it's 20%. Um, if your time's line is shorter, you might want to do more than 20% is what it's saying. Okay. If you're not used to budgeting, it can feel like an unwelcome restriction. No shit. But done right, it's a key to greater financial freedom in retirement. How is it a key to... Okay, so you're going to get in a place where your mind is about elimination, reduction, yeah. not production. It's about accumulation, not cash flow. It's about restriction. And that's going to make you feel more financially free. Financial freedom is a state of mind. It's where money is no longer your primary reason or excuse for doing or not doing something. I'll say it again. It's not the primary reason or excuse for doing or not doing. It. It's a consideration. It's not the only consideration. And if we get these habits of scrimping, saving, sacrificing, delaying, deferring, and budgeting, and that becomes our way of being, we don't become more financially free. We become more financially in bondage, worried about whether we're going to have enough money or not. And now we're putting it at risk. So if it doesn't work out in things we can't control, our life feels out of control. I get so pissed and passionate about this because this is a big organization giving terrible advice that guess what? The the magazine from the year before would have sounded the same. The year be I, it's I just whether why people don't just Google this stuff. Like that's the thing is like, why are people actually paying for this? Uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, you could get all this for free and more, and it's all the same. It's all the same. Right? Now it says to create an emergency fund. Great. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And then. How, how much does it say? Three months, six months? It says three to six. It just gives you a range. Three to six. That doesn't make sense. You need like, it just says, uh, cover at least three to six months. So at least six months is different than at least three months. Yeah. So we have a contradiction in our wording here. Like we need to be more specific with the writing. And my belief is six is the minimum. Yeah, same. And two years is the ideal, yeah. but you don't want to strangle yourself trying to get there by right. not being able to live your life. It's something you get over time. Right. And in high inflationary times, it might be difficult. It requires a different level of thinking, which is how can we save on tax? How can we yeah. save on interest? How can we save on non-performing fees? How can we save on insurance costs that aren't providing yeah. enough benefit? And then we're thinking efficiency. And then the key is investing back in yourself so you can expand your earnings, make more money, serve but, more people, solve more problems. None of that's in there. Yeah, none of that. I mean, they're the whole nest egg concept of put your money in the nest egg, 
watch the it's it's so anti the mindset that you teach and this like this is this is not right it says keep your savings funds somewhere you can easily assess it such as a bank savings account this is in the event of a financial emergency right it says in, if it's an emergency and it's tied up in a certificate of deposit there may be harder for you to tap on it do a certificate of deposit you can get to so easy okay you might pay a small penalty right but the penalty of keeping money in cash right. versus a CD, I mean, how much of a penalty is it for early withdrawing a CD? It's so like you would recommend a CD over a high over. yield sa- savings account? I mean, if it's if it's paying twice as much, it just depends. Yeah, just I mean, trade off. I, I wouldn't do either, but yeah. but I mean, it's but the notion of you can get to your savings so fast where right. you might not be able to get to a CD so fast. I, I don't know. How That's, much do you think someone should have their money in real hard cash, like in the safe? One month. One month? Yeah. I mean, my, I just feel like mine's just deteriorating yep. in there. And, yeah. and if you have a credit limit and you have cash and then you have access, so then fully liquid money, you have to get that within 30 days. It, it, it That's a good mindset. Yeah, and I also, I don't like to keep much money in the bank. Yeah, enough to pay all the bills for a month. Yeah, I'm a little bit different. I I have probably have a little more cash heavy, but it's not it's that that's not a long term. When more money shows up there, it's not like yeah. I'm panicked about that. That's not a bad thing, but I I don't try to keep money much yep. money in a bank other than to run the businesses and run my life. That's right. All right, here we go. This is gonna this is a big promise here. Supercharge your retirement savings. Supercharge is a big. That's okay. I mean, guess I'm guess how I'm saying you're going to supercharge, and I'm going to tr- I'm going to I'm going to tear this up because this is totally not real. It says making the most of your tax advantaged accounts. All right, so it's saying that a 401k, 403b, or a 457, um, that that's actually a big tax benefit. It okay. says benefit. It says right here tax advantage. Sorry, tax okay. advantage. So let's see let's see how that's the case. Um, it's saying to take advantage of your employer's match. And then it says, and this is, let's, let's camp out here for a few minutes. If you don't, you're essentially leaving free money in quotes on the table. So this is so manipulative, free money. (laughs) That's like when my wife and when we were dating. Be careful, careful here. It's YouTube. No, we're dating and, and she's, she's like, I'm going to go to spring break with my friends. I'm like, great. Where are you going? She's like, Lake Havasu. I'm like. Well, here's some money. She's like, I don't need any money. I'm like, why not? She's like, guys are so nice. I'll just like give you things for free. Oh, for free? Really? There's no expectation at all. I was a little nervous as to be the mother of my children, but uh, <laughs> I gave her money. I was like, no, don't. There's there's uh, strings attached here. So a lot of times that free money has vesting periods. Yeah. It has a false sense of performance because people think if they put in a dollar, they get a dollar match. It's 100% rate of return. But the reality is, if you just look at the numbers, it's not 100% because they'd have to match your existing amount that's in there and do that every single year. Yeah. Like, I get that it may make sense to do it, right? but not if you have 29% interest rate credit card debt. Not if yeah. you don't have your emergency fund. Not if you're not if you're in a dead-end career that you hate and you need to invest in a skill set so you can make more money. People do this at the expense of other important aspects of life because it's not free money. There's strings attached, and it could be a deterrent. I'm not dissuading people from doing it in the right, right. situation, just not in every situation. Well, let's let's unpack this. So okay. they talk about inflation. Yeah. And so what is inflation doing? It's making deteriorating our, our money. So which means we need more money just to maintain what we're currently spending. 
Right. So even if tax rates stayed the same, mm-hmm. it if we wanted to maintain our current standard of living, we would have to spend more than we're doing now. So even if even if taxes remain the same, inflation is going to make it worse. You could you could make this you could make the argument that inflation is going to put you in a higher tax bracket. Right. The second thing is do like deferral. We always say deferral is a tax advantage. What if we call that postponement? What if we just postponed? And we're postponing to an unknown date at an unknown time with an unknown politician. And I don't know if you've seen the news recently, but they, these people are crazy. Right. And we're, we're essentially saying, oh, we're just going to like, we're just going to postpone, like put our head in the sand. And you're essentially a business partner with the U.S. government that can't seem to balance anything. So that's my biggest problem with this whole advantage. It could be advantageous depending on where you're at. If you have a game plan, all that stuff. This is, again, not investment advice, not tax advice. But I just... I think it's. I, we're questioning this article. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a very interesting that everyone does like the IRA 401k. This is like your tax advantage. It's like, yeah, and, and this is let's. Here's the highlight. Okay. Contributions to traditional IRAs are generally tax deductible. I have a problem with the term tax deductible. I have a problem that people can't just Google this stuff, but that's gone. Yeah. It's pre-tax. You didn't take constructive receipt of the money. The you did right. a tax deduction means, okay. I didn't. I I I spent something, or I put, and that is deducted from my income. Okay, this is pre-tax. Right. The only reason it's deducted from your income is because you didn't take constructive receipt of the money. It's good. It's good. It's stuck in a plan. Not that that savings is not in your pocket. It's in a plan deferred that you have to pay when you access your money. Right. So how, if you have to pay for it later, is it a tax deduction? Yeah, it's I, a tax deferral. It's a tax deferral, and you're giving up control. I think we should come up with a word. Is that is that legal to call it a tax deduction? I I mean, I think it's just not 100 percent accurate. Yeah. Yeah, so that's anyway. a good. That's a really good point. Yeah. So the the right type of account for you will depend on your current tax bracket, whether or not you have access to an employer sponsored plan, and your modified adjusted gross income. That's highlighted. They're basically not taking any responsibility. You know. Anyway, uh, I don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but the benefits of dollar cost averaging, have you seen the data on this? The benefits are you'll have less money. Okay, break that down. They've they've done so many so much analysis of you just allocate all your money hmm. versus go like, oh, I'm just going to put in, like this is a plan that was designed because they want your money. So they yeah. want you to keep contributing as often as possible. Right. But if you had a lump sum right now, yeah, maybe... For a few people, they buy at the peak, right? But ultimately, this I'm buying high and low over time, and I'm going to average. It's they've done so many studies proving that dollar cost averaging losings loses out to full allocation. Okay, I and yeah, listen, I I haven't looked at the research. I've seen the opposite. It just goes back to the say dollar cost averaging is just their way to justify a crappy system, right? So. And I'll, this is what they define it as. It's a strategy that can help you avoid ending up in this situation. Let's see what uh, I have to read. In an ideal world, you would always buy low and sell high when investing. However, this is much easier said than done. In fact, it's extremely difficult to predict where the market is headed, even for professional investors. So remember, they told you to take more risk, put your money in the market, even though people can't predict it, because that's going to help you battle inflation. And then at the same time, yeah. told you you need to be more conservative because, yeah, they're just, they're, there's contradicting. It says trying to do so can mean falling prey to all sorts of rash decision-making. For example, you might panic and sell when markets are falling, locking in your losses and missing out on subsequent rebounds. Or you might jump in too late and prices are peaking and about to fall. 
Dollar cost averaging is a strategy that can help you avoid ending up in this situation. It refers to investing a fixed amount of money on a regular basis. You might decide to invest 1000 every quarter, for example. If you have a 401k at work, you may have already put this practice into action if you automatically invest a percent of your paycheck each pay period. So here's my issue with this. If there's, there's a couple issues here, but they're saying, Hey, if you just put money in every month, then you're not going to panic and pull it out. If the market decreases, what if you have a million dollars that you've put in over the last 15 years and you're putting in 250 bucks a month, you're telling me if the market goes down by 20%, that that 250 a month is going to be the thing that keeps you from being like, well, I just lost 200 grand, but you know what? I'm buying on a dollar cost average on the other side. It doesn't account for existing assets. And so if you're starting from scratch, I think it's easier to dollar cost average because it's out of our mind. It's automatically happening. And it has, but I I believe in the philosophy of automatically save, deliberately invest. This gets people to believe that investing and saving are the same thing. Yes. Here's what I'll say. If you want to do the whole stock market, retirement, nest egg, if you want that, I think dollar cost averaging is a, something that you should look into, but I'm with you. How much do you have on the stock market? A zero. Oh, me too. So, that, but I sincerely like let that sink in. I have zero money in the market um, because I just don't buy, like I don't want Structure. the end result. Yeah. Even even like on a good day, like in a good like multiple millions of dollars, that would make me sick inside because the opportunity cost, what could have happened with that money build up in businesses and other opportunities. Yeah, I'm into cash flow. I'm into predictability. I'm into investing in things I know about. There's yeah. many reasons. All right. Now it just says your guide to asset allocation. When combined correctly, assets can provide growth you need to meet your goals while protecting you from some market downsides. So it's just saying how much stocks and how much bonds you should have. How, do, is, do they still yeah. do the 60-40? Cause Let's I think check this a- out. It's a little bit different uh, based upon your age. I read it the other day. I, you know, I took a quick gander at this. Let's see. Okay, assuming you split your investments between stocks and bonds, how much of each do you want? Young people should keep most of their retirement funds in stocks, as much as 90% to take advantage of long-term gains. Retirees typically cut back on stocks and put most of their money into safe bonds. After all, they're spending that money now and can't afford a major stock market dip. So they just said, don't do bonds earlier in this. They just said, if you're older, you should do bonds. So it says hypothetical asset allocation by age, age 22 to 45, 90% stocks, 10% bonds. Reason, investors with decades to go before retirement may want a portfolio more heavily weighted towards stocks to take advantage of capital growth. What if those companies don't make it? What if artificial intelligence replaces them or just technology? So you were, anyway, uh, age 45 to 65. 70% 70% stocks, 30% bonds. Reason, as the investors age, they may begin to taper their equity exposure because they're admitting there's risk to it. Yep. Age 65 plus, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. I, investors it's nearing me. retirement may hold more bonds to protect their portfolio from volatility. I think even even the, I think the 60-40 portfolio concept is a, is a bad concept. It's funny that that's in writing. Here's like, a, there's here's some smart people that are typical financial planning people that even say 60-40 with bonds and equities are not the most efficient. Retirees who live frugally on not much more than Social Security may be able to keep more money in stocks for a longer time. What an inspiring, like, such this an is, inspiring. This is $13.99. I will say the color in this magazine is pretty awesome. Why diversification is important. What to know about mitigating investment risk. Let me just say diversification happens when you're extraordinarily wealthy and you and you need to store money. Right. Or it's sold to people to diversify on the way up because they're admitting they don't know what to do. Right. What's going to work, what's not going to work. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, let's see. I mean, you have a funny bit on just diversification, how it, like it doesn't work in other places in your life. <laughs> like, when has divi- diversification ever been a good idea outside of, quote-unquote, well, your money? Let me get distracted and have too many things going on, right? This, this is the one I think was pretty fascinating because it was saying not to forget about uh, it might have been a different article I was reading, but it was like, don't forget about international funds as part of your portfolio. And then it was showing what had happened over the last 10 years, and it was not good. So, yeah, uh, mutual funds make it easy. Simplest way to diversify your portfolio is to invest in mutual funds that include a broad range of stocks or bonds. Like, th- this is the problem. It, it, it's all based upon the stock market, no matter what. That's their solution. There's There's been no mention of cash flow. Now, should cryptocurrency be part of your plan? This asset class may be too volatile. Here's why I agree with them. Like, if it's <laughs> it's is going to be volatile. Yep. And ninety five plus percent of cryptos shit coins. Yep. But that they're you know you're most likely heard of the most popular cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and Ethereum. I feel like who wrote this? Like, what eighty year old wrote this? But there are currently more than five thousand others in circulation. It it describes a little bit about what it is, and it just says. Unlike traditional currencies, cryptocurrencies are not backed by anything to make them intrinsically valuable. Okay, I have a problem here. What is the current, what is, like when we left the gold standard, Yeah. what makes the dollar intrinsically valuable? Intrinsically. It's it's a Blank fiat man. currency. Yeah. So, so there. It, also the, the stock market. Unlike traditional currencies, intrinsically valuable that means that it has inherent value like you're a human being you have intrinsic value not just your stuff but who you are like i where do they but even even the stock market you could unpack and say is a big old ponzi scheme in a way it needs other people to flow money yeah to work yeah um let's see so what's it it, does say that there's a limited number of bitcoins will ever exist so it could have a hedge against inflation there you go. Yeah, okay. Bottom line, if you want Buzzword. to invest in cryptocurrency, it's best to do with, with funds you have. You don't have earmarked for retirement. Right. So. What do you, do you think that there's like 1% of someone's portfolio should be in Bitcoin? Can they handle the ride? It's going to be volatile and wild. Percent though. One... I mean, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice. <laughs> I just, I mean, for me, I feel like I have less than I want because I, I like the, way that I can move Bitcoin very easily yep. in moments. Like, have, have you done a wire lately at a bank? Yes. Was it easy? Because no. mine wasn't. No. I did a small wire the other day, and it took forever. Yeah. I just when don't I like have wire to go from, in. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it, that's become cumbersome. Do you know how much money was printed during quantitative easing? Because I don't. Over 40%. I, I, yeah, we know it's yeah. over 40%. What say did we have, and what could we do about it? It destroyed and decimated yep. the value of our money when they printed all this money. So I like in crypto, like one, I can just send it for right. next to nothing in price, right? Where wires cost more and yep. they're more cumbersome. And I don't know, I, I think that it's just early and there's still gonna be tons of volatility because you have assholes like you know FTX and all these people that are, that are looking at this. Like yep. there's a lot of people on Wall Street that go, oh, less regulation, I can use ICO, initial coin offering, yep. to extract money just like we did on initial public offering. So it's the same yep. scheme, different name, same people behind it. But there are some legitimate things in there checkered with tons of wild yep. west unregulated things. But regulation isn't gonna solve that necessarily. I, I think the blockchain's awesome, but I think what you, like there's a, it's the wild west right now. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're economically independent, then I think meaning you have enough cash flow from your assets, and I think it's 10, 20% or more of your portfolio really? towards that. Wow. But, but if you're not economically independent, it's nope. not providing cash flow. Focus on your cash flow. Yeah. Invest in yourself. It's still the same rules that I would give on every other thing. Let's do another video on Bitcoin versus gold because I want to unpack this a little bit more, but okay. let's let's uh, not derail. All right, all right. Let's not derail this wonderful. Why rebalance your portfolio? To keep it in line with your retirement goals. So first off, it's it's kind of a weird narcissistic thought. Like I have a retirement goal and the market's going to bend to my goal. Right. And the older I get, the more I have to just take less risk and go like, hey, the thing isn't going to work like I wanted it to. I'm just going to start taking the, the gas off or the pedal, you know, my foot off the pedal. And I guess this is just what I'm going to have to do. And it says control my spending. And at the end, Flexible. it's going to tell me the cheapest places to live. That's my favorite. That's like, this has been the same model since I've been in finance for over a quarter of a century. All of the magazines come up with the same stuff. So it's rebalancing as an opportunity for you to check in with your portfolio or you got it. Are your investments producing a high enough return to keep you on track for your goals or do they need to be tweaked to produce more capital? Again, do our goals determine the outcomes of these investments? No, they don't. So that's the faulty notion here. Oh, I have a goal? Yeah. Well, be flexible with your goals, Garrett, because the market might not perform. Yeah, because I have no control over this market. Right. Because all of the investing is being taught of give, thing, give money to people who supposedly know more than you or probably just salespeople and hope for the best. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, control your spending or move. Yeah. Let's see. Consistency is key. Set a regular time once or twice a year during which you check in on your portfolio. The key to successful investing is building a diversified portfolio and holding it for the long term. Okay, so if it's not working, the long term is going to help you? Right. It's... I, I just... And, and if, if it's... Why do you have to diversify if the long term's so effective? I just can't wait for ChatGPT to just wipe all these people out. Because yeah. I, literally, you could be like, hey, write me a very generic with keywords and all the... And boom, you get this. All right. What is inflation? The reasons behind rising costs of goods and services. Okay. They don't once talk about quantitative easing in this entire really? thing, which is the number one reason. So what, just what do they it say down. causes inflation then? Okay, we'll get to it in a second. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'll tell people. Fractionalized banking. Yes. Which was invented in 1913, I believe. It was basically a dollar that you borrow from the bank as someone else's money. Then you make that deposit into the banking system. Then they take a small piece of that, and then they can lend the majority of it out. Yep. But it's now the same dollar lent out more than yep. once. Then it goes out again. So it gets up to five, six times. That created inflation. Yep. Second, quantitative easing. A new program that they came up with during COVID where like, we're going to add money to the money supply by giving Wall Street banks and, and other banks money. And then they just bought back stock and then they just sat on the cash or bought treasuries, which caused a problem for some of them when the interest rates rose up, which the Fed was the one that interest, <laughs> raised the interest rates after giving them a bunch of money, which created some of the problem. So it doesn't mention those two things. And then the third one is collusion. Corporations colluding like... Like uh, they get together and say, hey, we didn't sell enough gas during COVID because nobody was driving. Let's mm. raise gas prices. That's just collusion yep. more than it is cost of production. Right. Right. So so anyway, uh, inflation has been on the rise since 2021, leading ultimately to increased interest rates and economic slowdowns. So they, I like that they blame that they think the only thing that's going to reduce this is raising interest rates. Um, but what is inflation exactly and how do we keep simply put inflation is an increase in the price of goods and services. It's frequently measured by the CPI, which the Bureau of Labor Statistics calculates each month. 
The BLS surveys consumers to figure out how much the cost of predetermined basket of goods and services had changed. And that change in price is the CPI. The goods and services that the BLS considers, considers includes food and energy prices as well as new and used vehicles, apparel, and commodities. November 2022, CPI indicated the overall prices had risen 7.1% over the previous 12 months. The prices of some goods and services have risen more rapidly than others. For example, the price of new automobiles has shot up 7.2% over the past 12 months, while food is up 10.6% and gasoline is 10.1%. Now, I guess there is some supply chain stuff that will just out of pure supply and demand raise prices. We don't have enough computer chips where, you know, manufacturer goes out, new regulation, you know, uh, tariffs, whatever it is, right? Right. So let's see, causes, the current cause... Uh, the current increase in inflation may have been a number of contributing factors. Government stimulus checks issued in response to COVID-19. I I don't really buy that because they just borrowed that money. So I get that there was more cash there, but that's a small part of it. Right. Um, and wage increases. Okay. Wage increases? There was a definitely like a shortage of labor, which increased some wages, but because of technology... But did wages increase because of inflation? Or? No, and and ultimately, cost of labor has gone down. Okay. Because of technology. That's correct. Yeah. Like, AI is a great example of that. So. But uh, people did see a wage increase, but my question is, that didn't cause inflation. That I would, That's a response to inflation. And, and what the wage increase didn't go up at the rate inflation went up. Correct. Um, and no one's talking shutdowns about- and supply chain issues have reduced the number of goods available. Okay temporarily that happened in certain categories. Political instability around the war in Ukraine has also driven up global energy and food prices and rising labor costs contributed. Okay, so they don't talk about printing money. Like these are all like, it's kind of like going into a doctor's office where you have a major artery that's cut and you're bleeding and they're like, well, this really, I think your problem, Caleb, is that scrape on your knee. You're like, wait, but that's barely bleeding. No, 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 let's fix that scrape on the knee. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about- cuts and little scratches when there's a hemorrhage that's going on that no why is nobody talking about it i don't understand so many things i want to say but i i don't want to get demonetized on youtube (laughs) okay um yeah the federal reserve targets an inflation rate of two percent per year can you believe that and it says the federal reserve is the united states central bank so they do say something about the federal reserve yeah while monitoring controlling inflation they're they're tasked with monitoring controlling inflation they've done Good job, Federal Reserve. They create the inflation. It's that's like saying, okay, Caleb, you know what? I know that you're starving and you haven't had any food, but we have this huge warehouse of food and we need someone to watch it. We're gonna have you watch it. We can trust you, right? That's the Federal Reserve. Okay. They're tasked with monitoring and controlling inflation where they're the culprits of inflation. That's correct. And you there no there's no I like seems checks angry and balances. Today, dude. There's no checks and balances either. No. The problems with inflation. Well, how elevated prices affect your retirement. It drives up everyday expenses. No shit. <laughs> you know? Uh, interest rates tend to rise. Yeah, that's, that sucks, right? Other than if you're getting fixed income, which they told you not to get, that can help because retirees that were on fixed income, like using bonds or even annuities, mm-hmm. those have been low interest. Like right now, interest rates are much higher for a retiree that's today. Great. Yeah. on their fixed income, on their investments than, than they were before. Um, it's a threat to longevity, your portfolio, okay. Um, here's the steps that they tell you to take with inflation. 
A long-term retirement plan that provides for the possibility of inflation is crucial. Thank you. To mitigate the impact of inflation, consider keeping portion of your portfolio in cash savings, which you can draw while markets are down. Invest more in stocks to take advantage of their long-term tendency to outpace inflation. Consider real estate investments, which tend to do well in inflationary environments, as invest in treasury inflation protect. So they, they've now said that multiple times while also saying to be more conservative. Okay. Uh, inflation-proof your time portfolio. These assets can help you keep pace with rising prices. Stocks. Tips. Look, oh, okay. it's the same thing that we just heard. Tips are the treasury inflation. Real estate. So they, what do they say about real estate? Um, it, Let's see. Let's talk. Let's, that's a good question. Real estate's a time-honored hedge. Looking back over the past inflationary cycles can provide help, uh, helpful insight as well. In the 1970s, inflation rates were sky high and the real estate market became a safe haven for many investors. Real estate is historically a sound, I don't even know that word, bulwark, B-U-L-W-A-R-K. Never heard that. I'm mm. too, I'm, you're way too young. I'm, I'm even too young for that. Because demand for property is more consistent and somewhat independent of market forces and consumer prices. Moreover, property values tend to increase with inflation. What's going on right now with raised interest rates is a scary time for real estate. Yes. And they're saying maybe do real estate. Uh, yeah. However, there are also no guarantees here either. Again, taking a page from history books, for example, 2008-2009 market downturn, property values fell as interest rates rose. Another challenge, real estate's not liquid. However, an alternative option would be buy shares in a real estate investment trust. Of course, that's what they're recommending because that's what the money's made. All right. And it just says, some have turned to cryptocurrency as a new gold when it comes to inflation hedges. Digital coins were long considered separate and independent from the stock market and other economic indicators. However, the crypto market has fallen drastically in tandem with the market and inflationary pressures. It's not just that. Crypto had a lot of stuff that was just non it wasn't producing any value right. and you could borrow against your crypto. So people that borrow to buy, it creates a bubble. It, right. We've talked about it on the channel many, many times. So anyway, it, it just says consider <laughs> many investors considering alternative assets such as comic books or Beatles autographs. Exciting option for those looking for a different way to hedge. But yeah. So anyway, yeah, there you go. Ah, <sighs> Let's see what it tells you for lifetime income. Savvy strategies. All right. I, I think that we've pretty much belabored the point. We'll come back and maybe do some more on here. But that's a that's so what's retirement the, guide on. What's the takeaway? What's what's like the overall takeaway? Uh, here's here's the entire formula. Set your money aside on a regular basis. Take a whole bunch of risk. As you get older, start to move some of that gain, hopefully, over to more fixed income things. So you have an asset allocation, a rebalanced portfolio. If it's not working how you want, try to save more, try to live on less. And if this all doesn't work out in the end, you can work longer or move to a cheaper place. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.